Hey guys, it's me, Danny, here to drop another gem on your week. So let's get started. Now you know what yesterday was. It was Ayonla night. That's right, guys. Ayonla fixed my life. That's what I watch on Saturday nights at 9 p.m. Sounds like an exciting life, right, guys? But I can't say that I can't say that I'm bored because I actually really enjoy watching the show. So let's just get on into it because there were two episodes she did a back-to-back this week. And um, so we have a lot to talk about today. The first episode was with um, Memphis. I don't know if you guys know him. He's like a record producer. He used to date Kay Michelle. And he then married Toya, which is Lil Wayne, the rapper Lil Wayne's um, ex-wife. He married her before she got pregnant with this baby. Like, he married her and then they got a divorce. So... You know my baby girl, Ayola, my auntie, my auntie. You know this. I don't know if you guys pay attention, but whatever people go on the show thinking they're going to talk about is not ever really what they're going to talk about. So Memphis was was on there thinking he was going to talk about how his ex-girlfriend, Kay Michelle, ruined his life. And memphis's mama wrote the show because she felt like he was going down a bad path now let me tell you guys this memphis's father disappeared and was later discovered to have been murdered dismembered and um burned by members of the Ku klux klan so this happened when Memphis was younger, but not too young to, like, remember his dad. I think it was, like, 19 years ago or something like that. And he's in his 30s now, so young, but not, you know, too young to not remember his father. And he basically, it was basically, like, his dad left, and then he just never came back home, and then they had, like, a funeral for him. But the thing was that the mother never told her children he also has a sister. And she never told her children what happened to their father until they were, like, a lot older. But by that time, the the problems had already come and gone. I mean, Memphis was on drugs he smokes weed and he takes some pills and then the sister she kind of like shuts down and then has like these emotional um breakdowns where she cries and you know just doesn't confront the issue so Ayanna is basically telling him that he needs to confront these issues that he has by not addressing the pain of losing his father instead of worrying about what some woman did to him. Now, the truth of the matter is Memphis believed that Kay Michelle, who is also an R&B singer, he believes that she ruined his life because she was on a reality show um, I think she was on Love and Hip Hop, and then she also had her own show. But when she was on reality TV, she was um, telling people that Memphis beat her up, like when they were together, that he was abusive to her. He then, you know, decided to feel like that was her ruining his life. But 
it wasn't that he was saying it wasn't true. I think that his issue more was that she was telling people because he, because he still did it, I believe. I believe that there was a point when there was a conversation had where Memphis actually confirmed that he did at one time put his hands on Kay Michelle, but he just kind of feels like she shouldn't have said nothing to anybody about it. Now, that's not somebody ruining your life. That's you ruining your own life because if you put your hands on somebody, you can't tell them that they can't tell anybody so that they don't ruin your career. But Ayala was just trying to help him confront his pain about um, his father being brutally murdered and, you know, letting that pain out so that he can move forward with his life. And she was telling him that you doing these drugs is masking the fact that you're sad and hurt and confused about your father, but you're never going to be able to move past it if all you keep doing is just like masking it with drugs. You're just going to need drugs and drugs and more drugs. So I on the offer for um, Memphis to go to a rehab center and do a 30-day inpatient and so that he could kind of like clear his head and try to like move forward with life. Now on the show, Memphis said that he would go. He agreed to do it. Um, the people who run the facility came. There was a gentleman who came to speak to him about how the facility runs, letting him know it's not prison, which was what Memphis's concern was. And he was telling him it's, you know, it's like a beautiful house. We just kind of do, you know, all of the medical things that we need to do inside of this wonderful, beautiful living. Cause you know, people, stars, they get like the greatest treatment on, um, you know, these drug addictions they have. Uh, but some other people, they don't, you know, the regulars, they don't get the same kind of treatment, but we ain't going to go into that. We will, I will say though, that at the end of the show, Ayala's staff had to report that although Memphis said he would go as of the time that they were airing the show, he still had not checked in. But the good thing is that, um, that. Uh, facility said they will hold a bed for him should he feel like and admit that he needed some help. But of course, like, you know, a lot of these people who are uh, in the industry, it's harder to, it seems like, I don't know any of them personal, I'm just saying, it seems like they have a hard time understanding that their drug use is addictive. If you run around and everybody's smoking weed and everybody's popping pills or it feels like your circle of people is like run smoking weed and popping pills, after a while it becomes the norm, you know what I'm saying? And so uh, people then don't understand that they are addicted. And a lot of people in our community, you know, the black community don't, uh, in the urban community, don't really get what addicts look like because a lot of us have grown up to see addicts so much that we don't know that that, like we don't recognize that that is an that the lower the lower look of an addict is still an addict. We just think that if we don't see people nodding off on the corner or, you know, doing the scratch and, you know, doing the fast walk, then we assume that 
you know, we good. If we're not at that place, we're good. Like I, you know, I smoke a little weed or I just pop a couple pills. And I'm just saying, guys, like we need to get it together because as a community, it ain't cool. Now, I myself have never done any of these things. I'm not judging anybody who does. I'm just saying we got to do better. This leads me to the second episode of I on the Fix My Life. And baby, when I tell you it got real up in there. This was a sad story though. You guys, I really felt a kind of way for almost everybody in this story. So it's a story of seven brothers. Their names all start with M. Shout out to their parents because like to think of like seven M names after a while, it'd be like boo-boo number two. Like I don't know. Like I'm just saying it's a lot, but shout out to their parents. So these five brothers, these seven brothers, let me see if I have all their names together. One, two, no, I don't have everybody's name here. Oh, one, two, three, four, five. I do, look at me. I'm getting, I, listen, these notes is for real people. So the brothers' names were Miguel, Monte, Michael, Marcus, Marvin, Melvin, and Markel. Or Mikael. Sorry, not Markel, but Mikael. So when these brothers were younger, they were their mother left them she was on drugs and she left them the she left them with their father and their father was raising them but he too was on drugs and you know into the street and everything so i'm not sure how but somehow the caseworker got involved and um they the the children were taken from the home when the children were taken from the home, they were the they were put into like a group home, and the group home that they were in uh, was not the best. And so, some of the older kid, older boys ran away, leaving the younger ones still in the house. So the older ones ran away. They would like run. They would go back to see their dad. And then they would just kind of like, you know, do the street life thing. And then they probably got picked up a couple more times until they just ran away. And nobody really just went to look for them is what I'm just assuming. I'm just saying, but I don't know. Uh, So in the streets, the brother miguel died he was out with the brother michael who is the oldest but michael has uh i know guys you like you gotta you gotta stay with me because it's about to get deep right here michael is the oldest he has um what they would label special needs i'm giving you finger quotes on that guys because um i work with that population and i just don't like the term but because I haven't figured out a wonderful different way of explaining um alternative learning people um I'm going to just 
give you the finger quotes. I'm just saying. So Michael was out in the streets. He's selling drugs. But the other guys out there, they kind of know like he uh, like it's not all clicking for him out there in the streets. So they I guess they set him up or something. And whatever was happening, Michael got into it with some people in the street. He then called Miguel. And I think Miguel then called uh, Marvin. No, not Marvin. Michael. No. Marcus. I'm sorry, guys. Michael was in the street getting into trouble. He called Miguel and Marcus. Marcus didn't get there in time. Miguel got there first. There was a a scuffle. Some people tried to shoot. Um, Guns came out. They shot Michael in the leg and they killed Miguel. Marcus has been in a rage ever since. Okay, guys, he is so mad and so angry. And... It just hurt my heart. We're going to cover him in a second. There is also Monte. I covered his name before. Monte went to prison at the age of 16. This young man is was sentenced to 70 years, everybody. That means that if he could survive 70 years of prison, he would get out when he was 86 years old. He'd be down there 90 years old before he, when he gets out of jail. That is like a life sentence. Now, they didn't go too deep into why, you know, why he got so many years. We could speculate. I'm just saying. But you know the court system or whatever but I ain't never been through it so I don't know too much about it but I you know just what we hear and shout out to like 13 my my uh auntie Ava DuVernay you know but if you ain't never seen that documentary get in on it but like 70 years people so the real thing is is that they didn't lose one brother they lost two so catch like these kids you know they stressed out so there's also we didn't covered my miguel and monte miguel died in the shootout monte is in prison for 70 years michael is the one with the quote finger quote special needs who was shot at the time when Miguel died and Marcus is the other brother who was supposed to show up and didn't make it in time before Miguel died okay there is also Mikhail they didn't really cover a lot on Mikhail uh during this episode there is an episode two next week so we'll see if if Mikhail has more story then but The last two brothers are Marvin and Melvin. Now, Marvin and Melvin were the two that stayed at the group home and then ended up in a foster home. And um, Marvin is the one who wrote the show. Marvin wrote the show because he felt like his brothers don't communicate. They're not really that close. And they he'd like for them to be and have a better relationship with one another. So he 
wrote Ayanla to talk about it. Now, when Ayanla got Marvin by himself to find out what was going on with him, Marvin told her that he was in the house, that they were all living together, the brothers were all together, and then the older brothers ran away. And so he said that he then did not have any protection anymore because his protection were his big brothers, rightfully so. That's usually what happens in families, right? But then Marvin said that there was a boy excuse me, who was also a foster kid and he was like 19. So because he turned 19, he really didn't live in the house anymore. You know, usually, I don't know if you guys know, but like a lot of times when children turn 18, the system kind of like cuts them loose per se. And so then they kind of like have to find their own way. Well, I guess he didn't find a way to go. So he came back to the foster mother that he knew and she was kind enough to let him come stay in the house. Now that was kind for the foster, for the boy who used to be her foster child. But for Marvin, it wasn't so great because Mr. 19 year old befriended him and was telling him, well, even more than friends, like I'm going to be your big brother and you're going to be my little brother and I'm just going to take care of you and make sure that you're protected. So Marvin was walking around like, this is great because my brothers left me. I used to have, a, I had used to have brothers to be my protection. He wants to be my protection. I, this is a win-win for me. This is wonderful. And so the guy would like, you know, buy him clothes and buy him like little things and take them out and, you know, treat him like a big brother. And he was like, this is all cool until one night when Mr. 19 year old predator comes into Marvin's bed and Marvin was like he was sleeping and some he felt a tug on him and that tug uh was the beginning of Mr. Foster brother um molesting Marvin Marvin felt like He said he didn't fight it because in his mind, he felt like he had to pay for somebody being nice to him. That there's always a price. And this, for him, was the price. And this comes up because this is, it's so sad because this is a child who you know, didn't have any parents. At this point, he has no parents. His brother's are all gone he doesn't know anything else and the foster care system is not this snazzy jazzy world guys and so you know a lot of people want to live with these rose colored glasses on thinking that the foster care world is um you know just a bunch of kind people taking in children but that is not the case there are some horrible stories out there of things that happen to children and the 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 truth of the matter is is that there there are a lot of dangers and things and children who come into the foster care don't come in with the highest case of self-esteem and so if they are not helped and if they don't have that strong will some some things can happen to him and unfortunately for Marvin some things did happen to him and he said that he unlike how Memphis in the last episode was using drugs to Um, mask his pain Marvin said that he was masking his pain by trying to find any other man to 
treat him with some kind of love. So he was sleeping around trying to find love from some man because his brothers left him. He doesn't know his father. This young, this particular young predator um, jumped on him and, you know, took his, whatever innocence was left that he could have had. He, you know, he snatched up another slice of that. So he, it was sad and I felt sad for him. And I'm just saying, guys, like we never know what people's, situation is so we can't judge them like we can't judge we we can anybody can do whatever they want to do but we shouldn't judge people because you don't know what their story is and you don't know how how people act the way that they act and you don't know why people are emotional about things and you don't know what things may be sensitive to people so you know you have to be careful with how we speak and say things to people um, the other brother was Melvin. They didn't really touch too much on Melvin's story yet at either. So I'm not really sure what his case is. So we going to go back up to, uh, Marcus because child Marcus is so mad and angry about everything. And every time he spoke, like anger was coming out of him. So much rage was coming out of him. And because my auntie is my auntie. Ayana took him and had a separate session with him. And they had a conversation where he was trying to tell uh, Ayana that he felt like it was his responsibility to take care of the brothers. And at this point now in his life, he feels like he failed all of them. And so he's angry because he doesn't feel like he did right in his positioning. You understand what I'm saying, guys? So, so, so what it is, is hearing as an adult that he was, that his younger brother uh, Marvin was molested after he ran away. He was saying that before they left that that house um, or foster care, wherever they were all living together, before they left there, everybody treated Melvin, I um, mean Marvin, kindly, and he had that kind of personality that just made you love him, and that you know people were just sweet to him and kind to him. So he believed that if he left Melvin and Marvin at the foster care home, that they would be okay, but that things were so bad for him and some of the other brothers, probably Mark Michael, because you know he had some needs that probably were not being addressed in these foster care homes and then Monte and Miguel they all left they felt like you know they would be better off trying to find a dad trying to get out here in these streets you know than to be stuck in this house which is so sad guys like kids feeling like it's safer in the streets than it is up in these houses we've been in it's a horrible thing put yourself in their child position so when he found out that his brother Marvin was molested, he took that on and, you know, decided that that was his fault. It was not his fault. 
You can't as a child know that some kid is going to come back after they left a year ago and molest your brother. There's no way for you to know that. And so, but he carried it like it's his responsibility. He also carried the fact that he was not there in time to make sure that Miguel didn't die. But there was no way of knowing that either because even if he got there with his gun and they had guns and Miguel had a gun, Ayana was trying to explain to him, you all went into this believing somebody was going to die for, somebody was going to get hurt for, um, you know, whatever they were doing to the brother Michael. And Ayana was like, you were right. Somebody did die. It just wasn't the person you wanted to die. But somebody did die. It just happened to be your brother. Now, the, the, So she was telling him, like, you can't be angry like this. You have to come at life a different way. Because you can't walk around with all this anger all the time. It is going to get you murdered or murder somebody. And then you're still going to, there's still going to be a loss. So we got to figure out how to get past this wall that you put up for yourself. And he doesn't want to be so angry, but he's like, how, how else am I supposed to do this if nobody else is like, you know, commanding control of this family? Isn't it on me? Because I would be the next in line to handle all of these things. And I have not handled anything. Look at how all my brother's lives have turned out. But I only had to tell them the truth, yo. Like... The, the real truth is this is all on your dad and it's on your mama. They they the ones who were supposed to make sure that you didn't have to get yourself in this position. So here comes Ayonla speaking to the daddy. Child, I'm just saying, like, I know, I get it. I know it's a lot going on, but like, just follow me. I'm just saying. So here come Papa, and I want you all to know, if you haven't seen this, all the boys look the same, and they look like they daddy. So daddy come in, he don't look too bad for somebody who, you know, was on drugs and whatever the streets was doing with him. You know, streets is rough, even if you're not, you know, high all the time. The streets can be a rough life, and people who make it out of the streets sometimes not everybody so please don't jump down my throat but like sometimes the streets can show on your face I don't know if anybody you know there's a song called I don't look like what I've been through and a lot of people don't but some people do and daddy didn't really look like the streets you know life so Ayana was talking to him she's asking him like why would you be, how did you come to be left with these kids and um he was basically like I don't know why my wife left I don't know what my wife left for Ayana was like well what what you think it could have been like what's what's one thing you think could be the reason why she left you because you got to have some kind of idea then he get into like oh I guess maybe because I was um maybe I was uh you know, cheating on her out here in the streets, doing drugs. Oh, I was like, oh, so like that's maybe like what you think it is. Okay, so you do have an idea of why this woman left you. Whatever. Then 
she asked, how did you, you know, how did you take care of these kids? Like, how did you end up losing the kids? And he just was like, yeah, the system was set against me. They was trying to, you know, make everything bad. And, and again, guys, it's all in perspective because some people, Ayanna will tell you, I'm going to tell you too. Some people like to play like, they like to claim a victim role. That's what I gonna said about Memphis. Every time you tell your story, you tell your story so that you sound like a, a victim. He's telling his stories to tell the story to sound like a victim. You know a person who tells a story and they don't sound like a victim? That's right, guys. My friend, my best friend in my head, Tiffany Haddish. Whenever she tells her story, which was not great, she always tells it from this this angle of triumph and victory but let's go back father was telling his story from this victim angle of I don't know why my life my wife left me she just did I don't know why the kids was taken they just was and Ayon was trying to tell him like dude like you messed up and like you failed your children and you were so focused on the drug that you you failed them and he just you know he was tears and he was saying that he didn't know that his children were born with drugs because a lot of the kids had were drug addicted you know that can come with having parents who are on drugs you can end up with drug addicted babies and so uh, Michael was definitely a drug addicted baby and that would um, help to determine why his ability to learn is um, different than what society calls the normal way Um, also uh also um one or, one or two of the other boys but they didn't get into specifically who and how many they did say that Michael was and so she was saying you know to the father like you, you are you telling me you didn't know that and he was like well yeah well I know he a little slow but you know and she's like like these things that happen they happen because of you and did, did you know what happened to Marvin and she's she he's telling them like oh I you know I didn't know that stuff was happening but if he would have told me I would have you know I would have done something and she was like well which would you have done you couldn't manage to clothe and feed them but you trying to tell me now that you could manage to murder people People, like, get your life together. I'm just saying, guys. Like, Ayola was touching on a lot of things. Now, here's the great thing. This episode has a part two to it. So, we have not come to the conclusion because Ayola does bring in the mama. And here's another thing, guys. There's also a sister. That's right. These people had eight children seven boys and one girl and the daughter i guess ended up with mama so she come in they they come in on the next episode which you know we covering and um they coming in on the next episode and we're going to try to like you know get in on what the conclusion to this story is as far as the show is concerned I hope, guys, that you are watching Ayala with me. And so we just talking about this like, you know, two people watch TV. But if not, even though I told you pretty much the story, I still encourage you to watch it. It comes on at 9 p.m. 
on the OWN Network, which is Oprah's network. You know, you got to check your local listings for what station, what channel it is, because I don't even know what channel it is on my TV. I got a a reminder set. It just switched it over there when I say, yeah, it pop up on the screen. I say, yeah, and there we have it. So I don't even know what channel come on for me. But um, I would encourage you to watch the episode. It is awesome. It's dope. It's great. It's wonderful. And, um, it, there's always something in it to learn. If you want to, like, if you're just trying to like learn and apply some lessons, she always hits you with something that, you know, you can apply to your own life. Now, of course, you may not be a person who was born into drug addicted parents, um, and had eight brothers and sisters that you had to like be separated from and come back together and be separated and come back together. You may not be somebody who had two brothers, one was murdered and one is in jail for the rest of their life. But that does not mean that you have not had pain, loss, sorrow, or anger. And those things, no matter what the package it is wrapped in, all have a central focus and so she will speak to those um, issues and so you can take and apply them to yourself in whatever way you need to evolve for you and I'm not saying we all messed up but everybody can be evolving because you know the world is always changing and we got to change too and so to be the better us we have to be able to evolve into that and so we want to be able to find any tools and any lessons that can help us to do so right guys Okay, so we're at the end of this episode. Again, look at us. We making it. Shout out to you for listening, giving me this time. Thank you so much yet again for spending a little bit of time with me and, and listening to things that interest me and I think should would help you as well. Don't forget to check me out on social media. I'm out there in the social media streets, Instagram, Twitter, and um I want Snapchat too. I ain't really like that good at Snapchat, so I don't I don't put that up there, but I'm out there guys checking me out. If you want to um you know send me a little message, hit that I'm just saying and um comment on it or you know slide in them DMs, you know they open. I promise you there's room for you. And then also I'll have my um email address up there if you want to send me an email and let me know how you feel, let me know what you felt about um anything on there. Uh, that's fine. I will respond to you when I get it. I'm just so thankful. I love you guys. Thank you and have a great one.